You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. To honor all copyright restrictions, certain elements have been edited out of this message. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24, verses 13 through 24. This is the story of the road to Emmaus, and I read from the Good News Translation, and so I invite you to page 121 in your pew Bibles uh, to hear this story together. On that same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking to each other about the things that had happened. As they talked and discussed, Jesus himself drew near and walked along with them. They saw him but somehow did not recognize him. So Jesus said to them, What are you talking about to each other as you walk along the way? They stood still with sad faces. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these last few days? What things, he asked. The things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. This man was a prophet and was considered by God and by all the people to be powerful in everything he said and did. Our chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and he was crucified. And we had hoped that he was going to be the one to set Israel free. Besides all that, this is now the third day since it happened. Some of the women of our group surprised us. They went at dawn to the tomb, but could not find his body. They came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who had told them that he is alive. Some of our group went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said, but they did not see him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock. And you are our Redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. So back when I was in middle school, I went to camp at Lake Ponset. And at camp, I had a counselor whose name was Craig. He was a student at the time at Dakota Wesleyan University. And as we were getting to know each other, the topic of home came up. Where is home for you? How long did it take to get there? How long did you have to drive to get to Lake Ponset? And eventually it got revealed that Craig lived about four hours away from Mitchell, which means that for him, sometimes getting home was not the easiest thing in the world just because of the sheer distance he had to travel. And the problem for him was that he was traveling by himself. He was traveling alone. And that's kind of boring sometimes. And so he was sharing with us, a big group of middle schoolers, which may not have been the most advised conversation, he was sharing with us little hints and tricks that he used in order to keep awake while driving. And the first thing that he suggested was the air conditioner on max and loud music to sing. The problem with Craig is that he's not a very good singer, and so that only lasts for so long before that becomes not the option. And so Craig was mentioning that sometimes, and I don't advise this, um, he would drive as long as it was safe, he would drive on the wrong side of the road for a while. They put him in charge of middle schoolers. What could go wrong? (laughs) 
And then Craig talked about how he would sometimes strike up conversations with the imaginary person in the seat next to him. I'm a little bit ashamed to admit this next part, and I have to confess that this conversation has had more of an effect on me than it probably should have. My freshman year of college, I went to a university three and a half hours away from my home, and sometimes it got a little boring. Highway 281 does not leave a lot in the way of entertainment. If you've ever driven on 281, you understand it's a straight road from the interstate to Aberdeen. There's nothing there. There's a few towns you have to slow down for. I learned that lesson. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but there's not a lot in the way of entertainment. And so I think back to this conversation I had with Craig. And still to this day on long road trips, Craig's travel tips definitely paid off for me. Because I sing and I talk and I just find ways to power through. This week I was trying to think of the perfect way to express just what it might be like to be on a long road trip with me, but I couldn't find the right words but then I did find a TikTok that really does explain what it's like to be in the car with me on a long road trip. And so, Scott, could you go ahead and hit that next slide? I cannot deny that that may have not have happened in my vehicle before. That was not me. That was what I found on TikTok. What? Yes, dear? Yes, it has happened. Um, and I'm also no longer allowed to drive to the 1812 Overture, which is a very much different subject. The point of this is that Craig and I would have done well on the road to Emmaus because what the road to Emmaus offers us is travel companions. And really, truthfully, the point of the story is the travel companion. It may come as a shock to you, but the point of the road to Emmaus is not ill-advised travel tips. The point of the road to Emmaus is the travel companion, the person that shows up. And not even just the person that shows up, the point of the story is the life-changing news that that particular person showing up is. Because the travel companion on the road to Emmaus is Jesus. And at the same time, Jesus ends a very weird week, but he also starts the next chapter in the lives of those two disciples. Our scripture this morning comes to us at the very tail end of a very weird week. It comes a few days after all of the events of Holy Week. These two Hebrew travelers had come to Jerusalem to, per to, to participate in their annual visit to the temple. And in so doing, they have existed through everything that unfolded during that one week. That means that they would have been in Jerusalem. They would have been there on the day that we now call Palm Sunday. They would have been either a participant or a viewer of this odd procession. They may have cut branches down from the trees and thrown their cloaks on the road in order to celebrate Jesus. They may have been there in the temple the day that Jesus cleared out the money changers and set at liberty those that were being taken advantage of. They may have been there in the temple as Jesus taught. And since Luke identifies them as disciples, it could very well have been that these two travelers were in that upper room. 
It could have been that those two travelers were in the room when Jesus taught and when Jesus washed feet and blessed bread and shared the cup. They could have been in the crowd hearing the cries of crucifixion. They could have been on the hill of Golgotha. They may have been there when Jesus breathed his last. They have been through a weird week. It's been a long time since these events have taken place. It has. But humanity has never seen a week quite like this one. So these two disciples are traveling to Emmaus. They're walking down the seven-and-a-half-mile road northwest of Jerusalem. And Luke does not exactly tell us why they're going to Emmaus. Perhaps they're going because it's, a fra- it's out of Jerusalem. Perhaps they're going to find a hiding place. Or maybe they have relatives. When you're seven-and-a-half miles away from your relatives, you make the trip, right? Or maybe they just need a space to think. And Scripture does not give us their conversation but they're probably asking some of the same questions that you and I would have asked. How exactly did we get here? Who exactly is this Jesus? Why did he say such bold and audacious things only to hand himself over to die? What do we do next? And I am certain that on that road to Emmaus, there were times of nothing more than stunned silence as the two disciples tried to make sense of what's going on. And now you and I may not react the same way to the events of Holy Week with that same depth of contemplation. But to be fair to ourselves, we have the rest of the New Testament. We know the rest of the story. We have the rest of church history that tells us what's going on in Holy Week and tells us what's going on in the grave and tells us what's going on in the resurrection. But it's still worth considering, isn't it? What is it? What is it that happens? Why is it important that this life of Jesus has unfolded the way that it has? What impact does the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus continue to have on us? Two travelers on the road are then interrupted in their reflections by a third traveler. And the traveler asks them the question, and that question is, what are you talking about to each other as you walk along the way? And the first disciple that gets identified in the story, a man named Cleopas, gives this frustrated and amazed answer. Are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on? Are you the only one that doesn't know the things that have taken place in these past few days? Almost, how dare you even ask that question? But Cleopas and his friend explain what you and I have just experienced through Holy Week. Cleopas and his friend explain the grueling, exhausting week that they have just existed through. And now we have the benefit of the rest of the story, right? We have the benefit of years of reflection. We know who that unknown traveler is. 
we know that it is Jesus himself that has joined them on the road. And what we learn in that is the fact that these disciples are at their best when Jesus is with them on the road. Just like Craig and I are better off with travel companions, so too are the disciples in Scripture, and so too are we as disciples of Jesus as we go on this journey of faith. What we learn in Jesus' interaction with these disciples is that discipleship is not a drive-by or a fly-by process or even something that we do alone. What we have in this Easter season is the opportunity to recognize where we are in our journey of life, to recognize Jesus in our lives, to recognize that we are on this journey with Jesus and that we can learn from him how to see him in the faces of the strangers that are around us. As we look to Jesus' example on this Resurrection Day experience. Let us look and notice what Jesus did as he shared the road with the disciples. Let us look to Jesus' actions and let them be instructive for us. And the biggest thing that we see is that Jesus met these disciples exactly where they were. Jesus met these disciples exactly where they were. He covered up his appearance in some way that we don't know about. These disciples that should have recognized him didn't. And then Jesus meets them in the midst of what they're going through. And he does that by asking a simple but attainable question. What are you talking about? What are you discussing as you go along the way? And then in a brilliant move, Jesus enters their grief and enters their hurt and enters their bewilderment by doing nothing more than listening. Than listening. Jesus asks the question and then fully listens to the answer. He lets the disciples share their experiences. He listens to their feelings. He even hears some of their interpretation of what just happened. And Jesus does this without interrupting. Jesus does this without correcting or justifying. Jesus allows them to fully explain what has happened. And Jesus does eventually respond, and we'll get to it in the next couple of weeks, but what he does in this simple act of meeting these disciples where they are is he facilitates a place for the Holy Spirit to move and work in the lives of these disciples. In meeting these disciples where they are, in the midst of whatever is going on in their minds, Jesus allows the Holy Spirit to move and to work and even to heal in that moment. So the question becomes for us this morning, who has been that for us? Who has done that for us? Who has opened up that space for the Holy Spirit to work? Who has invited us to share the road? As I think about that question, I think about Craig. And it wasn't just his stellar travel tips either. 
During that week of camp and then the subsequent conversations we have, Craig met me where I was. Craig shared his life and his faith with me, and he let me ask questions. And in so doing, he opened up space for the Holy Spirit to move. And the coolest thing is, in the midst of those conversations, Jesus was found. Friends, our own spiritual awakenings happen. Our own journey with Christ begins when someone draws near to us. When someone invites a conversation to happen, and when someone invokes the story of Jesus. And so the question becomes for you and for me, who does God want to have us invite to share the road? Who does God want you and I to invite to share the road? Whose heart is God laying, whose name is God laying on your heart as we talk about this journey of faith? Because that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about driving across South Dakota or being on a long trip or, or turning to the imaginary conversation partner beside us. We're talking about real people. I believe that as we have this conversation, God is already working on your heart, is already laying a name on your heart of someone that God is calling you to invite to share the road with us. We're talking about the journey of faith. We're talking about imitating Jesus and facilitating an encounter where the Holy Spirit can move. We're talking about sharing the road. So who is it that God wants you and I to invite to share the road? There's cards sitting in pews this morning. There's also cards in your bulletin, and I want to tell you what to do with those right now. I've kind of mentioned it earlier as church started, but I want you to take this with you today. I want you to place it in a prominent spot in your life, and that can be on your bathroom mirror, that can be in your rearview mirror in your car, it can be anywhere but I want you to be looking at it. I want you to be thinking about it, and I want you to be praying about it. Because I firmly believe that God is calling us to invite people on the road with us. Who is it that God is calling us to invite? Would you pray with me? Risen Jesus, we give you thanks for the way that you share the road with us. We give you thanks for the ways that you meet us in the midst of our hurt and our pain and our grief. And for the way that you just simply are with us. We're looking for you. We're looking to you. And as we live in the light of your resurrection, we are looking for others. So move in our hearts. Open up space for for your Holy Spirit to work in our midst and call us to the work of inviting others so that all may know your love and care, that all may know the truth of your resurrection, that all may know you are with us and with us always. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message 
to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe. <laughs>